0: You better spell check, you better proofread, you better take all the anxiety pills you'll need. Editors are coming for your draft. They're taking down notes, they're marking down stuff, gonna trim down all the fat and the fluff. Editors are coming for your draft. They see all of your typos. They notice all your flaws. They know what sells and what does not, so finding them is a lost cause. Hey, you better spell check. You better proofread. You better take all the anxiety pills you need. Editors are coming for your
1: draft. Happy holidays from the Ritwit, everyone. Welcome, fellow nerds, to another episode of the Ritwit, the show where... Oh, dang, I usually plan these things. Ugh. I'm looking really bad in front of our temporary co-host here.
2: (laughs) Hello, my name is Alan Brooks.
1: I'm subbing for, uh... Hey, what are you doing introducing yourself here? You don't know how the show works. I have to introduce you, or I have to start first. You've ruined it! Whatever. (laughs) Okay, Uh, okay, fine. Whatever. Uh, what was I gonna say? Welcome, fellow nerds, to another episode of The Ritwit. The show where one of our co-hosts has either technical issues or health issues... Or time issues, or mental issues. Now that's mean, <laughs> um, morality issues, and so he's gone for the month. I don't morality know. issues? Yeah, he kills people. You know that? David's a mass murderer. You can't see it, but I'm rubbing my nose right now. Uh, just to be warned, listeners, this guy doesn't have the great big infectious laugh that Matt David has. So I'll... His booming laugh. I <laughs> I'll just edit that in every time I make a joke that I think is hilarious, and you don't laugh at So right, I kind so... of
2: pity those people who listen to the podcast whenever Matt laughs, because I feel oh, like no... they going to blow out their, Pe- their eardrums. But people
1: love it, though. It's, a lot of people say it's their favorite part of the show. <laughs> it's... it's definitely one of my favorite parts of being friends with these two. Oh, yeah, well, like, I, um, I, I liken it to um, a laugh track of a sitcom because his, laugh, <laughs> his laugh helps a lot with my jokes my, <laughs> my jokes aren't really that funny <laughs> but yeah. it, for him to laugh all boisterously at it it makes other people laugh at my humor. So Matt has a very easily stimulated sense of humor. Oh yeah. Sort of like the laugh track audience of a sitcom. You just press a button and then ho ho ho, ho. Like oh, oh no the in-laws are coming in. Ho 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 Anyways. Okay. Yeah. Right. Except his
2: he can actually tell you whether your joke is is really really stupid or not?
1: Oh yeah. Sorry, I haven't introduced you yet. Uh, who are you?
2: My name is Alan Brooks. I've been friends with these two goofs since uh, sophomore year of high school. Mm-hmm. It's been really fun. You've uh, been there
1: throughout many of my stories and a few of many Matt, of the stories. A few, and a few, a few of Matt few David's. Of Matt. Yeah. <laughs> you call him Matt Matt Syvert. In case you don't know, listeners, that's actually his real last name. My real last name is Hall, but um. Yeah. We go by our middle names here, because I was say go by for my middle name for my book, Megazoic. Buy on Amazon.com. This is the part where we go cheap plug, Helen. Cheap plug. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love your enthusiasm. All right. <laughs> um, so originally we are go by your middle name, but then I remembered your middle name is Clinton. <laughs> yeah. And I, my middle name is Donald, and based off of current politics, especially last year's, I wouldn't want to be the Donald out of Donald and Clinton if you know what I'm saying. <laughs>
0: you...
1: So you're just Alan.
2: <laughs> so... Yeah, probably better to go that way. Okay. Plus, we don't have the problem of having two mats.
1: Exactly. To tell the difference between. Yeah, exactly. Matt mat is an epidemic. <laughs> we're, <Yes>. we're everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I've said before, though, the nice thing I like about there being a lot of different mats is that it's impossible to stereotype a Matt. No one ever hear a name and like you kind of picture like a certain personality go with that name. I can't really think of an example off the top of my head. But Matt, you can't do that, yeah. Because uh, Matt, there's fat mats, there's thin mats, there's nice mats, there's rude mats, there's nerd mats, those jock mats. <laughs> yeah, a
2: very common name, which makes it yeah basically impossible to stereotype. Yep. Which is awesome
1: because right. Yeah, we're we all can do- be your mat. Yep. <laughs> and <laughs> which one of the of the mats of the podcast is your mat? Probably Matt David, because you. Do- Met him first.
2: <laughs> uh, only a little bit. That was mostly because you were homeschooled and I, yeah. both me and, and
1: mm-hmm. Matt. I was homeschooled. Sorry, taking a drink there. All right. So what makes you qualified to be on the podcast other than the fact that Matt David is gone? <laughs> well, yes, Matt David is gone. For the month.
2: Yeah. For the Or forever, month.
1: depending on if you're really good at this job. <laughs>
2: yeah. Um.
0: <laughs> mostly
2: kidding. because, well, mostly because Matt David is gone because, well, he's in Japan. Of course, we right. this has come up several times. It's near the holidays. He's part of many like three different musical groups. Mm-hmm. and of course, December the is the big month of performances even in and Japan. so he's been
1: busy, crazy, uh, busy, crazy. Yeah, crazy, busy. That's, it's about as eloquent as the rest of us on this podcast, so don't worry, of course.
2: <laughs> and then he decided then he of course was overworking himself because right. he's always super busy and he's gotten sick. <sighs> it is so sad that I am entirely unsurprised.
1: Yeah, no, he works himself a lot. He's a hard worker. Too much of a hard worker. I remember when I was in college with him, this is when swine flu was going around in the freshman year. He wanted to go to class and this stuff because he felt bad not going. I'm like, dude, you have freaking swine flu. They'll understand that you can't go. I managed to avoid swine flu. I don't know how. Oh, I luck liked... of the
2: gen- luck of the genetic drama. Well, no, more
1: I guess. or was more, like I avoided him as much as I could. I even slept down in the um, break room of the dorm. I later found out that was not allowed, but no one knew until I told them. So no
2: one knew, and especially if you, he said, "Oh my, f- my roommate has swine flu, and I really would like not to get sick." Right, and I did that like early on when he
1: got it, so when the disease would probably start traveling. But, what makes you specifically qualified rather than you just like what do you what do you like as writing? I don't know if you guys can hear a dog out there, listeners,
0: yeah, and like, let me shut the door here
1: but yeah, one of the things I well of
2: course, I was writing several years before I actually met either of the mats, and meeting them actually I can't really say accelerated but increased the qual- quality and my understanding of writing as a whole.
1: We are pretty professional at this podcast you
2: were they were better than me at least
1: we Which, are better than you, <laughs> that's our red star. Uh, were, yeah, yeah, you're about as, about the same. Yeah, we're about the same now. Uh-huh. But yeah,
2: and that started an almost, since then, a lifelong pursuit of being a better writer. In fact, I found a website where they, where it frequently tells us, uh, you can tell us how, how to write better. And I've
1: been Is it talking about studying- Springhole or TV Tropes? Springhole. Yeah,
2: like I mentioned Springhole. TV Tropes is more for fun and looking at the interesting slash goofy slash awesome
1: that occur in fiction. I don't know if you've heard our episode 12 of the Ritwoods. <laughs> Mary Sue's and how to avoid writing them uh, oh boy um, we, we mentioned the sp- the, the Mary Sue test on Spring Hole that's our main basis for mm-hmm. talking about it So,
2: well, I think it was actually a link to another website with this the, sp- the Mary Sue test maybe I don't know it, it, you can oh. find it on Spring Hole but it's actually to another location you did
1: more research than we did nice Okay, I spend more time on Spring Hole mm-hmm.
2: but yeah so I've been very good on that. Another thing is, which our topic today? Would you like to introduce that?
1: Well, actually, no. We're going to talk about our first segments first. Um, but I'm getting like, ahead of myself. Right. Of course, that's okay. You know, you're the first ever guest host of the Ritwit, so you know it's okay. I need to explain huh. this. So be it. Okay. So first, we're going to talk about our usual segment: what we at the Ritwit will rip off from this month. Ooh. <laughs> you, you know what this basically means, right? Like you've you're you're a listener, sort uh-huh. of. Ah. Uh, no, Get out of here! You're, you're, you're not... <laughs> well, only hardcore fans allowed! There's the door! Nah, no, it's fine. Nah! Yeah, he listens. What? <laughs> so, you know, you basically we talk about what we, you know, like or from a certain sort of work or what we don't like. i uh, okay. like, well, Not, not really like what we don't like. More like just what we like from a certain thing and how we might incorporate something like that into our own works. Okay. So. Yeah. I'm going to do a... Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Uh, I'll probably go first so we can sort of see how it all works. Mm-hmm. I... I I just got this from the library today, and I've been looking through it because I had no other better material to talk about what I'm going to rip off of. But this is completely different from one of the things that I want to rip off. I got 101 great warships. It's um, like submarines, battleships, and um, aircraft carriers, carriers, dreadnoughts, destroyers, basically all sorts of naval ships in history. And one of the reasons why I got this, it's a non-fiction book, it has all these different um, descriptions of various things about it, but one of the reasons I got it was so I could get a better understanding of these kind of weapons for my own sci-fi series, you know, Megazoa, because as well the other sci-fi ones I might want right? to write, because even though it's a book about dinosaurs with laser guns, as I often like to so eloquently simplify it, <laughs> but I tried to sort of go for the fact that some of this technology might work. Of course, you know, you were reading some of the second one earlier, and you were saying that some of the technobabble I do is total nonsense. But, <laughs> total nonsense. But, you know, you helped me through it. And that's fine. But, like, sometimes, like, in terms of, like, the the caliber of weapons and, like, the how it all kind of works and, like, mm-hmm. the technology and such, especially for, like, the current dinosaur civilization in it, I try to make it semi-realistic. Like, not, like, modern, but, like, what, if, what I always say, and I've said this before in the show, it's what humans might look like. This freaking dog! <laughs> There's a solar light outside in our uh, front yard. And I think they think it's a headlight, listeners. So if you can hear that, you might not be able to hear it at all. I don't know. If you can't hear it at all, it'll in dog barks.
0: <laughs>
1: but, yeah. what was I saying? So it's like if human, what human technology might be in the 22nd or century or so. It's kind of what I go for, okay. for the dinosaurs. So about two decades from now. Yeah. Well, two, not two, two decades. Two centuries. Two centuries. Or one century. like One to two centuries. Of yeah. Like, okay. Yeah, like nothing too crazy. But then again, also, they have... Laser force fields and laser guns, like I've been saying. So, um, of course, we might have laser guns in the future. We never have some for our point and click, blank point. I don't know what I'm trying to say. What am I trying to say? Um, I have no idea. Point and click. <laughs> point and click adventure games like Monkey Island. We have those. And they require laser guns, don't they, to work? <laughs> His face, listeners. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, let's, I'm just basically look, reading a bit of nonfiction to try and incorporate some of the the terminology and other sort of sophisticated. More sophisticated stuff about fighting in, in Raider books. Like, it looks like they have great fighters, great tanks, great bombers as well. If this is interesting enough, I can look for it. in nice. Other things. So What are you going to rip off from this um, one? Or ever, because you know, this is your first ever, episode. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually thinking of Andy Wears the Martian. Out. Ah, I mentioned this on episode one of our podcast, or episode two. I don't remember which one. No cheap plug there, because I don't remember which one. Sorry, go yeah. on. Um,
2: es- essentially, the idea... Now, this is spoiler alert this is going to talk this is going to be um, talked a lot talked about a lot more in the in the in this current podcast oh yeah but note something interesting about the martian there is absolutely no antagonist no i like that there is no antagonist there is no evil bad guy out to get him uh, see, it is yeah. quite frankly a battle of a man versus Nature of Mars, <laughs> Martian of Mars, yeah, and also the as well as space. there's a little bit of politics, yeah. But the politics is, but everyone's, yeah, ignored,
1: yeah. Like, the politics. there's a little bit of politics about, well, this is reasonable, but everyone wants to ensure that this guy, Mark Watney, gets home, so yeah, there's no bad guy in it. Mm. And
2: the way that Andy Weir Dud did this was through hard sci-fi.
1: Now, right.
2: literally there is only one scientific thing in that entire book that is inaccurate. The, the rest of it is 100% accurate. Are you talking
1: about the storm at the beginning that even that
2: traps yeah. him? Because the problem is the atmosphere on Mars is less than 1% the density of R. So if it wanted to be strong enough to blow over a several hundred metric ton... Spaceship, it would have to be somewhere around a th- probably around over a thousand miles an hour of wind. Speeds. Right.
1: Oh, uh, well, I think that really adds credibility to all of it. The only thing that's unrealistic is the thing that gets him into the situation. To begin with if it was anything that got him out of the situation that was unrealistic, it would ruin the whole credibility of it. Oh yeah. But just the fact that the only thing that's unrealistic is him how he gets into the situation. Mm-hmm. That I think that's I think that's more forgivable. In yeah, my, in yeah. my opinion.
2: I can agree with you on that. So yeah. But other than that. Everything in the book is totally realistic. The I've, ship that they use, the fact that they use the idea of delta v, which again will come up. I later. have no
1: idea what that is, so it sounds must be pretty advanced. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not okay. if you're a rocketry nerd like me. <laughs> uh, that's okay. But uh, yeah, and they just use everything realistic. So, in fact, I've actually heard people think that's based on a true story. It's so realistic. I'm like, uh, we haven't been to Mars yet. <laughs> like humans have not been to Mars yet. <laughs> Uh, you think that would have tipped you off? Maybe yeah. they didn't know that, but it does such a point is it does such a good job. It is of... A bit assuming... of a, it is a bit of a face palm for the human race that, they, that it's only a few people I know. Of course, these only a few people that I know personally. Who knows how many people in, in, throughout humanity? I yeah, like that. But, but that that's to be given a point of credit to the book itself. It's done its job so well that some people think that's based off a true story. Yeah. So, could
2: very well be, and it's especially another testament to kind of the unifying um unifying power of a. Of a crisis that we're somewhat disconnected from. Right. Because you notice, like we said, everyone on Earth does at least something to get...
1: This one guy. This one guy back from Mars. Right. My my older sister doesn't think it's realistic that they'd spend all this time, all this energy, all this money to save one person. Like, in terms of science, it might just be better to let him die. And I'm Mm. I'm like, yeah, I know, but moral—I know moralities, but yeah, that's purely from a scientific standpoint. Yeah, because like it would have cost billions of dollars, Mm -hmm. like maybe even tens of billions or hundreds of billions, based on like how to turn the ship back, launching the things, and like all this time, all this energy to just get one guy. Yeah, like in terms of like she, she also argued that the scientist himself, like Mark Watney, might be okay with it, just for science. Like I don't know. Like, they'd have... Like, you're not gonna just gonna leave him there scared. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Like, he would have to be okay with it. Like, for science, I make this sacrifice.
2: Yeah, it doesn't... I don't doesn't get it
1: either, but that's just my sister's point. I don't know. That kind of torpedoes the whole story. Yeah, I know yeah. it does. That's why, that's why, that's why I end up telling her. Like, yeah, that maybe for a scientific standpoint, that makes sense. But from a narrative standpoint, like, no. We have to save him. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so, yeah.
1: yeah. Well, that's a good rip-off thing. Mm-hmm. So, well, in terms of our next segment of the show... Mm-hmm. So this is what we always do. And what we've written. What we at the Ritwit have writ is how we word it. It always throws Matt David off whenever he's like, what we at the Ritwit <laughs> writ. He's gotten better about it now. <laughs> As have I. Notice, um, better, not good. No one's ever good. <laughs> no, we always say that we're better than you. We never want say we're good. <laughs> like, no writer is good. That, wait. I don't know. What am I saying? I don't know. <laughs> you went on a tangent. I'm a man of tangents. <laughs> At least I'm not a man of cosines, right? <laughs> His face once again, listeners. <laughs> That's one of my uh, trademark groan-worthy puns. Matt David's gonna be proud. Hope you're listening. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, boy. So, what I have written... What have I written? Just basically the third Megazoic book. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, very focused. Very good. Yeah, very focused. I am pretty focused on it, I'd like to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. also did the... Uh, the A thing? Oh yeah, but I talked about that in earlier episodes as well. Right, okay. The Kavorian prequel. Uh, I haven't done that lately though. Uh, oh, it's not I, to read that. What I um I guess I could mention this. Uh, what I've ripped off. I'm not ripped off. What I've written. One way to kind of help my creativity, in terms and also be kind of a fun project. I've written uh, plans for this for Megazoic as if it was like a MOBA game, like um, which is like mm-hmm. Heroes of the Storm, which is what I like to play, but also like the the big one is League of Legends. And Dota 2 and Smite. Those are the, and that and Heroes of the Storm are the four big ones. And I thought it'd be kind of fun to, like, imagine all these different characters, how they would work in this MOBA. Like, it's kind of fun for my creativity, but also, like, kind of helps me sort of plan characters in the future. Like, there's characters in the third book that I've put into this MOBA before I've actually started writing them. Hmm. So, it's kind of fun. It's a fun way for me to do it. Plus, like, I really like that genre, so I it'd be kind of cool. Like, what would their abilities be? What would their ultimates be? How would they work in terms of gameplay? Especially if some of them, like, Cortan, for instance, the main character, he doesn't really fight. So how would he work? And it was kind of fun to do that. He's a support character, by the way. He focuses on like shielding and healing, repairing certain things, hacking certain structures so they, they fire on the enemies. And I thought it was kind of fun. And I also have like quotes that they say to each other, especially if they kill one another, which is always kind of amusing. <laughs> yeah. If a player playing as Cortan kills a player playing as Belar, Cortan says, "Dang it, Bellar, Sorry, I have no idea what I'm doing."
0: <laughs> that yeah. Would be kind
1: of funny. Um. Yeah. So that's what I've been doing. It's, it's kind of fun. I don't know. Yeah anything to say about that usually we kind of like to comment on each other's yeah i mean it's usually fun to listen to
2: listen to him tell me about these uh these ideas some of some of the lines are actually quite amusing especially considering the character interactions it reveals and Mm -hmm. kind of the fun little pithy one-liners you can you can add to stuff that to basically add that you can't really have in the in the uh Story itself. In the story but...
1: itself, because it would kind of... If you guys can hear clicking, that's because I'm looking at the Megazoke Moba document here, so we can see if yeah. it... But, oh, right. Uh, actually, no, I probably shouldn't say that because the second book isn't out yet. Yeah. Eh, dang it. Some of this is from the second book and there's kind of fun stuff there. There's probably some stuff from the third book as well. Which oh, yeah. Is still well, working. like I was saying, there's some of these characters are from the third book and they've written before. I've Sorry. Oh, here's something interesting. So, in um the book, I was just telling him this to Alan earlier. Oh, yeah. Um, I remember that. Um, So, the chapter... Seventeen, Yeah, I think it's 17. Um, it's the chapter that's called The Killing of the Cortex in Megazoic. My illustrator, um, she did a picture of a character. A, each chapter has a character. And some of them are more minor than others. Like, this one's literally just a Kretosaurus who has, like, two lines of dialogue and is killed immediately. But I didn't have anyone else in that chapter who didn't already have another chapter with their picture on it. So I just picked him. And because of her illustration of, of this character, this little cretosaurus armory worker... I ended up really enjoying it. She, like, she gave him a little hat. She gave him, like, a little... The Harness. way she harnessed to hold his crate. It looked like a, just a, a little worker just trying his best to do his job. And I don't know I really liked it. I found it very endearing. So I ended up putting this character... I gave him a name, I gave him a backstory, and I gave put him in this MOBA. He's, um, he's also a support. So, like, since he has this crate... Um, That he's carrying, and he in his whole part of the story is delivering this creative supplies to allajeks. One of his abilities is literally just him calling in supplies, which heals allies who walk over it. So I incorporated that into Mm. his his thing. I thought was kind of fun, and like how he's like work, work, work. What a life this job is. And then nobody said this job was safe, as when he attacks. And then he's just very focused on like his work. He's just a hard little worker. He says, in one of his kill quotes, if he kills Cortan, we should hang out sometime. <laughs> or if he kills Dranax, the, his, literally his prince and story is like, well, I just committed high treason. <laughs> so, Lots yeah. of fun little personality quirks you can have. Yeah, like, it. I thought that was kind of fun. Anyways, so that's what I've written. Uh, what have you written?
2: Um, I'm currently working on... Well, I, I kind of had a sad incident. My entire hard drive with all my creative work kind of got destroyed. I remember this.
1: This was so sad. <laughs>
2: yeah. So I'm currently having to rebuild... Everything from the ground up. So I started. To, so I started writing a book, which with a very, 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 very work in progress title called "Swords of Swords of Victory" or something like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's basically a D and D esque um, fantasy world, right? With a superhero character thrown in and a couple, and it's just kind of an like exploration that. of of a
1: character I plan to make almost a, a series of anthologies about. That sounds really fun. Like, I, there's a lot of times where like well, it kind of aligns, like fantasy and superheroes kind of align more often than you think, because the first superheroes were in fantasy stories like Beowulf and
0: mm-hmm.
1: Hercules and, mm-hmm. I don't know, Hippolyta, Hippolyta. That's Hippolyta right. and uh, Odysseus? Odysseus? Odysseus, yeah. Odysseus, yes. Uh, um, yeah, like they're all basically superheroes. Achilles. A lot of basically them, su- basically all, superheroes. A lot some of them are literally have. divine parentage, so they actually have super strength and such and Perseus often has the Medusa head with him so yeah. he can turn his one of his powers even though it's not really his power but he's using it is to turn people to stone mm-hmm. so and he's also the son of Zeus so yep yeah one of the few uh, Greek heroes
2: that actually does it but this is a little more of a classical superhero someone with kind of enhanced abilities and it's got a lot of interesting things that I'm planning I'm right. trying to focus the focus on a character who is Kind of the if you had to have her in her, have this character in your party, right. you'd think the character
1: was kind of useless or not super important. You mean party as in like a fantasy party? Yeah, right? fantasy so for, party. For some reason, in my head I immediately went to like if this person was in the party, she would just be hiding in the background while everyone else was dancing. <laughs> that would actually be another way to put it. Oh, really? Well, in a
2: fantasy party, she would be the the somewhat useless one who, who every now and then would just who do some ridiculous some
1: use basically. So, well, like, speaking of of uh, roles, what would she be? Like, so it's like, so like Cortana's a support. Is she a red mage? No, clearly not, based on that. No, no. Uh, <laughs> the, the gimmick character. Every now and then gimmick she... Gimmick character. Every basically. now and then she just does, like, an insane ability, but just once. I don't know. Well,
2: it's more like I... I don't know. I just didn't want to focus on some of the heroic characters, so we can kind of distance ourselves from them and sort of relate to the people who have um, social
1: issues. Oh, yeah. In...
2: Real life, like
1: she's social issues. What are those? I'm the most confident. Um, the fact that I can't continue this sentence completely negates my my yes, you totally lost all credibility. But whatever, I'm not confident at all. You're confident enough. oh Moving on, (laughs) that we're gonna write towards anything else you wanted to say. That's all I'm gonna say. All right, cool. So we should go into the topic. Wow, look at this. We're you and I are much more efficient than me and Matt David. About getting oh, all this gosh. stuff done, we like to ramble. Him and I,
2: yes. In fact, it's mostly whenever we try and talk <laughs> about something, the three of us together. It's mostly I myself and self. Uh... You're the third wheel. Basically. No, I'm not the third wheel. I'm the guy who's it's my self-appointed
1: job to bring us back on. You could be subject. You could be the third wheel in a tricycle. So therefore, you're the one who has to keep <laughs> d- like getting the the two back wheels. Yes, I'm the steering n- wheel. Yeah, they're the steering wheel, the one who's controlling it all. You're the front wheel of the tricycle. Yep. <laughs> Trying to make sure that we don't go too much off track. I'm seeing an irony here.
2: Yeah. Aren't the front wheels usually bigger on a tricycle? Yeah. I'm you're... the smallest of the three. No, you're
1: not. You're enormous. You're big and fat. This works because it's podcast. It's audio format. Look at you. Look at the room shake as you enter this room, you 600-pound man, you. Nah, he's he's a, he's a twig, guys. <laughs> it's okay. He's a good twig. Yeah smart twig. He is a smart twig. I hope you're smart if you're a twig. Yeah. You don't have brawn, so you have brains. To be fair, I don't have brawn either. I mean, I may be big, but I've got no muscle whatsoever.
2: He's a big teddy bear.
1: Uh, that's what I strive for. <laughs> Anyways, topic for this week, this month, I always do that. The topic for this month is hard sci-fi. So in case you don't My know... My speciality. Oh, that's why you're here. I mean, when you were on this, I wanted to make sure this was a, a topic that you could help mm-hmm. talk about. So Let's explain a little bit what what hard sci-fi is. We talked about a little about this in the first episode of the Ritwits, the very first one. In terms of like, which is more about fantasy, but we mentioned like hard sci-fi versus soft sci-fi. but I, I can explain again a little bit here. Hard sci-fi is basically sci-fi that's really realistic, like really realistic. Like, obviously, sci-fi requires a little bit of sort of speculation, yeah, and speculation of what could happen in the future. But a hard sci-fi is very Hard and fast, like the laws of physics that we know them right now, are still unable to be broken. Yeah, and yeah, the technology might be a little bit more advanced, but it's nothing beyond what we couldn't probably do in a couple of decades.
2: And it's a good, it's a good thing to note that it's not two categories of hard sci-fi, si- soft sci-fi. No, it's definitely a spectrum. It's definitely a spectrum. It's, and you can have something that's, for instance, the one my rip-off thing was, *The Martian*. That is what you'd call super, super hard sci-fi.
1: Again, except for the storm. But to be fair, that's a very minor part of the story, even though it's all very. A- well not a minor part of the story but, but
2: it's it, a very yeah it's a very minor part it doesn't part. really
1: matter yeah. yeah like but like the hardest sci-fi of all is just real life
0: yeah
1: <laughs> like that's not even really sci-fi then it's it's just science reality it's just reality Yeah, <laughs> like we're science reality too because mm-hmm. there's reality in science um, yeah. unlike what my homeschooling taught me am I right sorry <laughs> again his face guys yeah. I'm gonna keep describing his face because he's just, instead of laughing like Matt's Night like David he just rolls his eyes <laughs> so I like to know when he rolls his eyes anyways what was I was going to say. So, soft sci fi is more like. Okay. Star Wars. Well, actually, that's more fantasy. Soft sci fi is more like Star. Oh, I got a text.
0: <laughs> mm. Who is this? Anyway.
2: So, soft sci fi. Soft sci fi. More would like Star Trek. F- yeah, sure. Star
0: Trek. It's like. Yeah.
2: It's all science fiction, but. There's phasers. They play, there's warping. Yeah, awesome, Some ideas. Okay, I think we're good. What is there. that with the evenings and you getting popular?
1: Uh, I'm a published author, man. You know what? It's actually my illustrator. She's got these. Certain things. Ah. Uh-huh. Well, I'll look at it later. Sorry, illustrator. All right, so. Yeah, Star Trek. Or, like, it's still sci-fi. Like, there's still Earth and it's still in the future. I call right? it moderately hard sci-fi. Star Trek? I haven't actually seen it. Wow, well, you haven't seen it? Oh my gosh. Monstron is going to kill you. The other Well, guy. I've seen a little bit. There's... It's pretty soft. Like, there's... It is, it's probably There's phasers. Soft. There's warping. I don't know. There's a I don't know, I'm trying to think of a... Okay, here's a way to describe it. Let's talk about time travel. Mm-hmm. Hardest sci-fi of all says time travel's impossible. Mm-hmm. Except for maybe some wormhole stuff that we don't really know. Yeah. I don't know how it works. Stuff that you have to be, you have to know a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of math to do. To Right. About. Slightly softer, but still pretty hard sci-fi. You'd be like, well, here's how you do time travel. Blah, 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 blah. And it goes in like this t- long detail sort of thing of, like how we could theoretically do it. That's still pretty hard, but since it involves time travel, it's still a little bit softer. Yeah. Soft sci-fi is basically you just press the button here, and then, boom, you're time traveling. That's soft sci-fi. No explanation. It just, you press the time not travel button. Not to but
2: uh, Doctor Who is very much soft sci-fi oh, yeah. when it comes to time travel.
1: Well, you know, it's also, Doctor Who is just a little bit of everything. There's like historical stuff. There's fantasy stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There's It's it's mainly sci-fi as a whole, but it's really soft sci-fi, yeah. It's, it's more like just a bit of it. It's more like just a big a British adventure. <laughs> very British. The Whovians and the like. Yeah. I know some good Whovians. Mm-hmm. I know some bad Whovians. That's not true. All, all the Whovians I know are good okay, good. So that's basically what hard sci-fi is. Examples I can think of are recently Interstellar, Mm -hmm. and of course you said The Martian. 2001, A Space Odyssey was very hard for the time. I'm not sure if it still holds up. I think it still holds up. Okay. Um, Other than like the *Star Child* sort of thing, and like the the monoliths.
2: Yeah, the kind of the part where everything just kind of goes down the rabbit hole, and it doesn't come out
1: until... But to be fair, ends. that's like aliens or yeah. whatever. It's like that the, is one the human of... stuff is very hard. That, yeah. That's the kind of mentioned before. We I, I recently showed him the, James Cameron's avatar. Well, recently, I mean like last year yeah. or year before or something. I don't yeah. know. But as that. far as the
2: humans go, they are very realistic. In fact, I will get to this later, but props for the humans for actually having radiators on their ship.
1: No, their ship is very well designed for interstellar travel. Like it looks really, looks a lot like what an interstellar ship would look like, mm-hmm. you know? So Yeah. yeah. Yeah, even though the, the stuff with the Na'vi and all that other kind of stuff and the weird... The fan, you know, it's like the fantasy story world it's in. It renders the movie as a whole slightly softer sci-fi, but probably yes. still on the hard side just because of all the human stuff. It's a good uh, balance is what I'm saying. Softening just to get the story to move. Right, exactly. But the human stuff is very hard sci-fi. Yeah. So. Right. But yeah, so what do you want to talk about in terms of... Well, like, I guess I've, like got, per- I've
2: got a couple of things I want to talk about first, but here's some basic things. With hard sci-fi, or at least hard-ish sci-fi they come in. They apply in both two ways. One, they apply in world building, which you guys talked about. Mm-hmm. Just the idea of you kind of create the facts of your story. Right. And it also applies kind of the plotting because if, if your hard sci-fi says, I can't do this plot point without doing this plot point, well, that's, that's something you can try and figure out either a way mm-hmm. around or it's a hard and fast rule and right. you're going to have to figure out a way to not do it that way. Right. <laughs> uh, so there's a couple of things I want to say. One is with sci-fi, softer sci-fi. Spin. He's going
1: to get his notes, by the way, if his, comp- yeah. if his voice seems more distant. Yeah. He's got a bunch of notes here. He's um, way more sophisticated than we are. Again. Yes.
2: <laughs> so there's three things I want to talk about. One, do your research. Hard right. Hard sci-fi involves, unfortunately, a lot of research, a lot of looking into the know of basically how things actually
1: are, the rules of physics as we know, the rules of technology as we know it, technology right. stuff like that right well like what I would, what I would say to that is like it's kind of like I mean I'm not really as much about hard stuff but this applies the same way as well in terms of like the whole point of sci-fi like this is, is showing that you're taking yourself seriously mm-hmm. right so in order to show that you're you're worth being taken seriously you should do your research that's why in terms of like this is different but sort of the same sort of thing I like to write stories with the more humorous sort of feel to it make it more fun I don't take it myself too seriously sometimes I do but like when I do the way I do it more, a lot of times' is, that's when you know the story's serious but because that I don't take my story too seriously and there's a lot of fun to it I can get away with having dinosaurs with laser guns like it's a ridiculous concept of course it is so I have fun with it mm-hmm. so yeah. that's kind of what I'd like to bring there so, in a the, the similar sort of manner if if your sci-fi is totally upfront with the fact that it involves blaster guns and like interstellar travel like all this stuff with raccoons and trees Guardians of the Galaxy I don't know that kind of stuff it doesn't take itself seriously at all so we can forgive any yeah. sci-fi... To say
2: that a science fiction thing is not hard is not it, an insult. Right, unless it it's trying
1: just... to be hard, and it's not. <laughs> unless yeah. it's failing. That's,
2: that's yeah.
1: Like, so, but like, yeah, so... Like, Guardians of the Galaxy, it has a, a, numerous issues with sci-fi, but who cares? There's a raccoon that shoots a gun in it that talks. There's a snarky...
2: Snarky raccoon with guns, yeah. But,
1: but, like, conversely, if something like Interstellar got stuff completely wrong, but it was trying really hard to make it right, then we'd be like,
2: Ah!
0: Yeah. Torches
1: and pitchforks to Christopher yep. Nolan's place. Oh, sorry, go on.
2: So, yeah. The second one is... This applies to... Okay, this applies to any kind of world building as in as usual, but be consistent. Be consistent, right. be consistent with the rules of your world building, with the rules of what you, what you have set out as the rules of your story, be consistent okay? right on this, maybe th- that's a little too broad but this is a general rule of writing well especially if be like consistent.
1: if especially with hard sci-fi that those rules are usually really our rules mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's also applicable to like fantasy as well like people can accept whatever as long as you're consistent with it like, yeah and I'm trying to think of an example uh, it
2: actually applies very well to fantasy well I'm yeah better like- in fantasy than sci-fi because sci-fi you can go look up the facts in the book whereas, whereas fantasy you kind of have to come up with them on your own most of the time right
1: right exactly like Superman is vulnerable to kryptonite
2: yeah it's something they've written in and that is
1: right that's, how just, it is. that's just how it is so if suddenly someone throws in kryptonite he's like oh I've overcome that it's like I, you don't, I won't work anymore people would not buy it like no. that, that you've broken your own rule mm-hmm. so the rule of him being vulnerable to kryptonite is ridiculous it doesn't make I don't know how, exactly how it works I mean radioactive sort. of I don't know it doesn't really, the point is that's how it is so stick with it and we'll accept it <laughs> yeah so same thing with thing mm-hmm. with this and the third one is unintended consequences.
2: Oh no. This is a fun fact <laughs> of you actually if you think real hard about your story, you may find unintended consequences to th- to idea to laws and rules you've come up with. Right. Like uh, I can't come up with any of them. Basically, um What in terms of are you talking about like world building or like In terms it? of world building. Like say, you come up with uh sometimes favorite thing for sp- for spaceships is Um, reactionless drives, which means you don't have to haul around fuel, you can just drive around. Well, that has a nasty little unintended consequence of, one, energy becomes practically infinitely free, (laughs) because you have this thing that you you create thrust out of just
1: energy frequently. And it goes faster and faster. I'm really bad with energy, I gotta say. I, I use the word energy constantly. I, I mean, I don't know what, but like, I just... You probably read my stuff. i like, oh, what is this energy finish that he has? But yeah. I don't know. I just... But yeah. like I said, though, like, I show people I don't really take the story itself yeah. too seriously. It's more about the plot series. and the characters and the action more than the science. <laughs> yeah. So...
2: Another one about the reaction this drive is, well, if someone has a reactor... Right. And a small ship and the engine, well, there's a weapon called relativistic weapons. You get something going... Uh, a large fraction of the speed of light Mm -hmm. and you could crack a planet to bits it doesn't even matter what it is with with the equivalent of a naval rowboat and it just any kind of our big structured idea of how space battles go just falls down the toilet with reaction drugs
1: well yeah or like just in terms of distance as well like I love the opening battle to Revenge of the Sith the last of the Star Wars prequels Mm -hmm. Uh, I love that it's so cool however it shows these spaceships firing at each other at point blank kind of like naval ships do it's space what's the point you can be as far away as you want yeah. you don't have to be so close <laughs> i mean maybe yeah. the logic is that well if they're that it doesn't matter how far away they are they'll still possibly hit us even i guess the, their, their thrusters can't move that fast i don't know but the point is like if you're closer it allows you to like, be more focused i don't know but the energy
2: weapons are more intense yeah i don't
1: know i don't, I don't know, know. the point is like they could they didn't have to worry about that in terms of distance yeah. so that's the kind of thing you have to figure out i don't yeah.
2: know now another thing like I said a lot of these like, rules do not apply just to sci-fi just hard to sci-fi, hard sci-fi. Right. right yeah be consistent with everything be careful of unintended consequences with everything do some research okay that,
1: that's the big part I think out of all this yeah make sure you get it correct like mm-hmm.
2: cause that, yeah if you don't take it too seriously you can get away with not doing a bunch of research right <laughs> and just kind of be goofy about it
1: Well, fun. another thing about my story one thing I do a hell of a lot of research on is because I'm really interested in this as well dinosaurs like even though i didn't have to do research on dinosaurs i do like and i love dinosaurs so much i was gonna do it anyways but i try to make sure every character is a different species and i try to make sure they're depicted semi-accurately now of course they're wielding guns they often use their hands although a lot of times i make sure like if they can't use their hands they use like mental the triggers. ones yeah like they use mental triggers that 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 i kind of imply that like the ones with hands and bigger brains have built for them and it I kind of sort of Brain go into the fact that it's like, a, it's like a collaborative sort of intelligence. that kind of built each other up. Mm-hmm. To, like, that's, how they're, that's how you have so many different species who are all sapient and intelligent. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't really make sense as to how. But... It doesn't
2: really make sense. But again, this is... Who cares?
1: Like When you see a T-Rex wielding a laser gun, is the first thing that comes to your mind, how? I mean, it probably would be, actually.
2: Probably would. Probably <laughs> but would. more like it'd be like, awesome! I don't if this think... is
1: like the third book in
2: there and a T-Rex is wielding a laser gun, then you're like, okay, cool. What's he going to do with it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's
1: more like, by the time the third book, they like like, well, that's the thing I'm worried about in terms of the second book coming out. I'm like, the first book has gotten, in terms of the people who have read it, unanimously positive reviews. Mm-hmm. Who's to say the second one would be like, oh, it's just more the same. I'm like, I'm sorry, but you can only be surprised by dinosaurs wielding laser guns once. Of course it's not going to feel as fresh. <laughs> yeah. Like.
2: But that's one thing I think I, that while I admit you, you don't have a lot of skill in hard sci-fi. Right. You make up for it with Rather marvelous character and plotting. Well, skills. thanks, <laughs> but Which,
1: that's more my focus. If my focus was more hard sci-fi, then the book would be a failure because no, I don't do it enough.
2: No. I, I, so, like how I remember but one time in all in all things considered, uh, big tangent. That's my goal. This,
1: this, this show all about big, all tangents. big tangents.
2: Those are the two biggest points of story writing. Okay, mm-hmm. he's talked about friends, where there isn't a lot of fancy world building. There isn't.
1: A lot of Oh, missions. you're talking about the show friends. That's why I was talking yeah, show about friends. friends. Yeah. Then there's not a whole bunch of drag- I mentioned that just I just mentioned that in terms of like world building can be there's some plot twists. It's more like, like, oh these two characters kissed. What will people do? Every, there's actually a lot twist. Every season ends with a cliffhanger, actually, except for one.
2: It's Which is how much
1: I know. You don't watch Friends. Why would you watch Friends? But anyways, he brings us up though basically. I brought I brought up the show Friends in the episode about world building because world building could be something as complicated as Tolkien and all the crazy languages and crazy hardcore War hardcore like advanced histories like it's so much advanced stuff or it could be something as simple as these two friends the show friends live in one apartment these other two live in this other apartment right across the hall the, down below them is the coffee shop they all hang out with that's all that's world building that's all it takes yep. so and that's one of the most successful shows of all time so <laughs> Big Bang Theory is now lasting longer <laughs> in terms of seasons wow. <gasps> people really don't like that show though but eh
2: but yeah I like that show. I think it's fine. I don't really like it recently. As far as stories go, if you have good characters
1: and good plotting, a lot of other things don't really matter. Hey, I, I really like that that's what you're bringing up in this episode about hard sci-fi that it totally doesn't matter. Well, <laughs> it matters if you choose to, but... Dog! Yeah. Want it's... me to send you into space? Pull a Laika on you? There's a hard sci-fi reference. Right? That's actually just a hard history reference. Yeah, hard sci-fi. Science. History. Uh, that poor dog. Yeah. I recently found out if she died. It's not good. <laughs> I first was like, "Oh, she just ran out of oxygen." No, that's the cover-up story. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh man!
2: Actually, that gets to my first point. We're, I'm gonna start about space travel because mm-hmm. if there's anything science fiction usually gets wrong, it's space travel. And now I'm not gonna go back directly into the whole uh, thing that people crucify me for. Um, <laughs> faster than light travel is currently impossible. Slash,
1: it's. It's, it's impossible as far as we know it right now it's impossible yeah, it's the, the thing about science impossible. is that it can constantly evolve like I like I've been watching the show Cosmos on Netflix with Neil deGrasse Tyson he often specifies I was talking about that what space, space, space Light Travel he says nothing can go faster than the speed of light pause that we currently know of he's open to the fact that maybe science in the future could change that's the thing about science you know they want you to prove them wrong Thus far, though, all of our studies have proven, thus far, have shown that nothing can go faster than light. So, who knows in the future? But right now, that's our understanding, yes. Yeah.
2: But kind of the idea with Leica, this is kind of a big issue that... One of the second big issues that peop- people get wrong in sci-fi is... Space is not cold. Space is currently is a vacuum. Now, to right. give you a comparison... The human body and all living things are furnaces. We constantly produce heat, mm-hmm. or at least the hot, warm-blooded ones do. Right. The warm-blooded ones produce heat, and that heat gets stuck in a—is in this container with, that's surrounded by a vacuum. Now, to give you a terrestrial example, right? thermoses right. are that thing. Right. They are something with something hot in the middle with a, surrounded by a vacuum, right. and that's precisely what happens in space, because three, heat travels via three ways— Conduction, convection, and radiation.
1: I have no idea what any of those are except for radiation, so in conduction,
2: conduction is touching a hot stove. Convection is... Uh, a hot stove a, touching you? <laughs> no. Hot water circulating around... Hot water in a pot on, on the stove circulating around. Whereas radiation is... You can feel the heat of the stove from several feet from right. a foot th- or so away. Okay. Conduction and convection don't work in space, which right. leaves you with the most inefficient way of... Getting rid of that heat radiation. Now Which get back without on, the other
1: two, it takes a while, right? Yeah,
2: it's the least efficient. Hand.
1: Now, of course, if you're in the middle of the sun, of course you're going to die immediately. But that's yes. because you're in the radiation. Like you're you're at a place where convection and conjunction,
0: <laughs> convection.
1: conduction, conduction work. Touching. But yeah, exactly. Like once you're close to the sun, once you that's touch star- the that's sun. Even, not even maybe touching, but just being above it, slightly yeah. above it, like hundreds of miles even above it, you're still probably going to die without yeah. without a suit because. Yeah. Even though that you probably can't—I mean, there might be other things to kill you. The radiation would still kill you there. Radiation may kill you, but mostly you just get cooked to death. Yeah, exactly.
2: But, but like that is exactly that is what I believe I've been read is what killed the dog Laika on Sputnik Two.
1: I think it was yeah overheating. Yeah. No, it wasn't yeah. Sputnik. I don't think that was a satellite.
2: I thought it was. I thought Laika was Sputnik 2. because first one was Sputnik One. They but there was, was no.
1: Those Sputnik didn't have anything in it. It was just a probe.
2: Yeah, Sputnik Two, however, did have like have a dog. You
1: would know one, and I would. Yeah. So
2: and that's what happened. The cooling she over- system cooling system shut down, and I don't want to hear
1: this. It was an innocent dog. I just brought that up just because the dog kept barking. <laughs> oh. oh, make it up. Say it was a cockroach. The cockroach Laika. How did the cockroach named Laika die? This poor yeah, she cockro- got cooked Fried cockroach.
2: No, more like oven-cooked.
1: Yeah, so when they opened up the capsule, they saw this little bitty cockroach corpse, Then they promptly crunched it and ate it, because that's a good source of protein. That's totally what happened. Don't tell me nothing about dogs dying. (laughs) Yeah, such a soft heart, doesn't he?
2: I love dogs. I don't want them to die. (laughs) So, yeah, I remember how I talked about the, uh, Venture Star in Avatar right. had these big. That's why that's what it's called. Panel yeah. things, which to get rid of heat. The radi- radiators yeah. are very much necessary for, especially with ships with nuclear reactors that right. produce huge amounts of power to get you to someplace fast. Well, they also produce a lot of waste heat, which right. in Earth, well, conduction and con- convection and radiation will just kind of get rid of it. Whereas you're stuck with just radiation in in space, so you have to have radiators. In fact, right. they in 2001: A Space Odyssey. There were plans to have radiators on the,
1: what they call I have what they call On the ship, yeah.
2: But they <laughs> overruled it because... It's one it of those doesn't... classic
1: movies I've never seen. Cool. Well, yeah. No, yeah. They, and a... they
2: overruled one of the big names in science fiction, mm-hmm. who always wrote really hard sci-fi stuff. Arthur C. Clarke, right? Yeah, Arthur C. Clarke. Yeah. There's also Heinlein.
1: Yeah, the, and then Robert there's... There's another guy. Dick something. I don't remember. Uh... I'll remember later, but yeah. Arthur who' are those, who are the big guys? Who wrote iRobot? Oscar Isaac. No, nope. Oscar Isaac. Is is Asimov. Um, I, Isaac Asimov, yeah. Isaac Oscar Asimov. Isaac is the guy who wrote The Importance of being Isaac Asimov was another yeah. one of them. So yeah, they were all... Yeah. Wait, no. Oscar Asimov. Wilde is the guy who wrote The Importance of being Oscar Isaac, I think, is an actor. Mm-hmm. He was in Star Wars, The Force Awakens. Bleah. Yeah, he was also in X-Men Apocalypse. He was Apocalypse. There was a lot of blue makeup on him. Okay. Okay, but... So that's my link to Oscar Isaacs, to Oscar Wilde, to Isaac Asimov. Isaac Asimov, yeah. <laughs> Who's who we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. he did iRobot. Robert A. Heinlein. Asimov, uh, and then Clark. Isimov and Clark. Three big sci- early sci-fi
2: writers. And they're all very hard sci-fi. Yeah. Another thing about it is, okay, if you're going towards a planet... For the love of Pete! <laughs> don't fly towards it! Don't fly towards it!
1: But how are you gonna get to it if you don't fly towards it? I don't understand. As a dumb person who doesn't know sci-fi,
2: gravity. It affects things way out far outside. If you're going towards a planet and you are wanting to go there, you can just shut your engine off and let oh, seriously, so don't thruster
1: towards it. Don't thrust it. towards you don't, it. You don't literally mean like you fly another direction. I guess no. you could if you want to do a slower well, descendant in like a spiral thing around it. But what's the point still of
2: that? you be thrust backwards. But yeah. Don't thrust at this planet. Guy. <laughs> don't thrust towards the planet. I mean one of the major problems that people are always scared about with going to space is how do you come back? Because even in low Earth orbit you are traveling at over 7 kilometers per second. You want to see someone Get roasted real quickly. Try putting 7 kilometers per second of speed. And I'm, that's not 7 kilometers per hour. That's 7 kilometers per second. Yeah, okay, that's, that's quite fast. <laughs> so even in the really high atmosphere, that's enough friction. These to, dogs keep barking! Sorry. I mean, that That's enough friction to, fra- to literally incinerate you.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Turn you into little ash particles. Right. And I mean, that's why people slow down. That's right. why they retro thrust towards planets so they slow down. Right. That's why they have uh, heat shields. Right. That's why... Ch- not Challenger. Who was the one? One of the space shuttles. That's why this one of the space shuttles. Challenger blew up,
1: blew up on on launch. Columbia blew up on Columbia reentry. Columbia
2: blew up on reentry. Okay. Yeah. You're dealing with super hot plasmas that could probably initiate nuclear fusion mm. because of how hot it is. Right. But yeah.
1: So yeah, don't thrust towards right towards it. And also, speaking of thrusters, a lot of people don't seem to get this. You don't need to constantly have the thrusters on. Oh
2: no 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 no. <laughs> like they, they lot... showed that correctly in 2001: Space Odyssey. Yeah, like because there's no friction in space. In.
1: Yeah, yeah, just turn, no once you reach space. the maximum speed, just turn them off. Yeah, once you need well, your like, desired speed. Yeah, like... That's
2: where delta V comes from. Mm-hmm. Delta is a scientific name for uh, change, V is for velocity. Right. In space, it is not so much range as it is change in velocity.
1: Right, so that also means, conversely, you need to have thrusters on the other end so you can slow down.
2: Or flip around. That's what... Or, or like you do. flip the... Flips, yeah. yeah, so you like... Basically, because you can point any direction in space. Mm-hmm. You can go belly first, you can go butt first, you can go ahead. <laughs> Head first, any direction, any direction works when it comes to flying. in because space. Because there's really no directions in space. There's really no directions in space. There's yeah. no up, down. That's or... something that that uh, Ender's game. That's what they get correctly in Ender's game. Right. In the book, especially in the movie, not so much.
1: I've never seen the movie, but I've heard yeah. it's. Eh. <laughs> in the
2: book, in the book, it talks about how they, the students would literally come, it, jump into the this place, and continue thinking the way they jumped was down. Mm-hmm. When you're in space. There is no up. There is no down. Right. It's a three-dimensional world. Right. Uh, space is probably the closest we can get to actually experiencing what it would be like to live in an ocean. Right. Because, I mean, and even then, there's still a down in the ocean. But well, space, yeah, there, there is f- no. But there's three dimensions to moving. Well,
1: but he's, talking, he's talking about like more like a fish. Like yeah, if we were a just fish. a fish, not like if we were an undersea colony, which of course is still an up and down. There's still an up and down. Yeah, but if but we if were just a fish, fish th- swimming about in the open ocean, that's what would be would be there's kind of be Correct.
2: Like, there's three dimensions of movement, whereas we're normally de- dealing with two.
1: Right. Exactly. And that's
2: another thing. Because there's three dimensions of movement and uh, spaces and uh, distance in spaces are, well, pardon the really terrible pun, but astronomically huge.
1: Well, well I think that's the reason where the term astronomically comes from because yeah. it's so huge. It is
2: massively huge. So this whole idea of having collisions in space...
1: Well, that's nothing like... It's really I could...
2: hard. You have to actually aim for the person.
1: Right. Well, like, that's the thing. When, like, we could talk about, like, common sci-fi like mistakes in terms of like trying to make hard sci-fi and some of these are like more forgivable other things but one thing, thing about asteroid fields are incredibly easy to go through don't let movies fool you mm-hmm. now I know in Empire Strikes Back that was a fictional asteroid field but even the way it was filmed in reality that would be a bunch of dust very quickly with the yeah. way they were all crashing into each other I know it's a galaxy far far away um but I don't know but like, Maybe yeah, because it was cool Yeah it was cool And again that's fine Star Wars who cares That's not the point again once, So um, there's literally A worm in one of them So yeah. <laughs> a Space worm that's, Space worm uh, But so What was I going to say So yeah like people Like we can fly through Them all the time That's how Voyager 1 And Voyager 2 They, they flew right through it No problems Everything
2: that goes past Like Cassini went through which Yeah you like no, died.
1: no problems yeah. because Anything
2: if you, going past The asteroid belt Usually has a fairly easy time
1: Because there are Hundreds of Miles apart from each other, more the often. The distance
2: between most asteroids in the asteroid belt is about six times the difference between Earth and the moon. In so that's. Instance, yeah, yeah, that's, that's that. they're a lot smaller, usually you wouldn't build a spot of an asteroid from another asteroid unless you had like. A right,
1: concert. like a lot of people kind of envision it like, oh my gosh, there's just this big field around the the sun. Like, no, like if you combine all the asteroids in the asteroid field together, isn't it still like just a quarter of the size of the moon or something like that? Something really small, yeah. And again, think of how big the distance is. Like, this is a yeah. ring around the sun. If there's that little out there, and like, and in fact, there's so little out there. Here's the thing that most people don't realize that you might be scared of to think about. There's another asteroid belt that goes right in the pathway of Earth. The Apollo Asteroid Belt. I think that's how it's called. I don't know.
2: Oh, the Apollo Asteroids? Because, yeah, there's actually lots of asteroids that are what we call near-Earth asteroids. Yeah, and
1: all of them are in that asteroid belt. If you look at, like, a map of this asteroid belt, it goes right in the pathway of Earth. Mm-hmm. We're not hit by it. Yeah. Very. I mean, we are occasionally, but...
2: Earth is basically a tiny speck.
1: Right. In the equivalent
2: of... The, the asteroid... Field.
1: Yeah, like, the asteroid that killed the dinosaurs... Probably has been orbiting the sun since the time of the beginning of the solar system. Well, that's how all well, asteroids are. Right, exactly. Like, it was formed at a certain time... ...britting around... What's going on?! I'm gonna silence my phone here. Okay. I swear I'm not usually this popular. I, I swear. I would be bragging if I was. Mute. There we go. What was I saying? Alright, the asteroid that hit the dinosaurs at the end of the Cretaceous Period has been probably orbiting the sun since the formation of the solar system. There's going to be no reason for it to be formed. It's 4 billion years old. That's at least 3.9 billion years of this, of this asteroid going around the sun. Probably at least once a year. Maybe less. Maybe more. I don't know. Who knows. But once it had plenty of chances to hit the Earth, and it didn't until that point because there's just so much room. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and since there's so much room...
2: You don't really need to move an asteroid that much in order for it to Right, field. like a
1: lot of people are like, large. Oh, we could blow it up. No, I not just redirect it. It's so yeah. much easier.
2: No, redirect does require more time.
1: <laughs> right, but we usually have time to see it.
2: Yeah. Well, that's, that's another thing about space that this one site I go to talks about very heavily. There's no such thing as stealth in space. Sure you have your big invisible Romulan
1: burt thing. Too. Right. I don't know what that is, but <laughs> Yeah. It's some kind of spaceship anyway oh from, it's from Star Trek Romulans yeah I don't know I'm not really a either yeah. I feel really bad nerd that I'm not really a Star Trek fan or a Star Wars fan you're more forgiving about because you're more of a science nerd you like nerdy things in terms of, of yeah. fiction too but you're definitely more of a science nerd as well mm-hmm. I'm not really that either so what kind of nerd am I you're an English nerd I am an English nerd <laughs> you mean that is I am whom an English nerd no that doesn't work <laughs> I <sighs> <laughs> roll there we go alright <laughs>
2: and big great big sigh but yeah there's a lot of space in space. Yes.
1: And there is no stuff, like you said.
2: There, You have to get rid of your heat, and, well, heat's really visible. Technically, say the space is three degrees Kelvin, which is still, which is, you could call that cold, but that's gone beyond cold, and that's more of, you're seeing microwaves. It has gone, dropped out of the infrared spectrum into the yeah, microwave. Zero
1: Kelvin is the coldest you can possibly get. That's yeah, absolute that's zero. zero. Absolute zero, which is. About negative 400-something degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah, very, very cold. Yeah. It can get way hotter than that on the other end. It can get, like, millions upon millions of degrees hot. So I think it's kind of interesting. There's no limit in terms of how hot things get. But, of course, that means that because heat is a trackable sort of thing, while cold is not. Cold is just the absence of heat. So when it's at absolute zero, that means there's just no heat. And since you
2: have to, well, you have to maintain a comfortable temperature inside your spacecraft. Otherwise, well, it's called a human popsicle. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But now, yeah, you would have to, you, your ship has to emit some sort of heat. Heck, sp- space probes didn't emit enough heat. And it's very fairly easy to scan the sky for infrared and radar telescope right. radar signatures.
1: I mean, okay. those, that's how we spot near-Earth asteroids, is radar and right. infrared heat. Okay, so here's a question I have. Um, there's probably a really easy answer to this that I'm missing. How come the night sky isn't just completely bright? Like, how comes? How does light decay? Like, because everywhere you point, there's a star. Mm-hmm. And I know that sometimes the farther away they get dimmer. Why is that? Well, it's because a lot
2: of objects that don't emit light because most of the light we see in uh, the night sky is objects directly creating light like stars.
1: Right, but there's space is so big and there's so much galaxies out there that there will always be a star at every little pixel.
2: Yeah. So why isn't the the sky It's called the inverse square law. It's this idea of stars emit light in a spherical pattern. Right. The further you get away the less that's actually going to hit you.
1: Oh, I guess that's true. Yeah. yeah.
2: So basically, if you have a certain, if you have a light, if you're a certain distance, if you're a short distance away, you're going to have a lot of. You're going to say, let's say, twenty five percent of the light hitting you. You pull away, right? It drops to maybe five percent, right? One percent, point one percent, and just generally gets so it, and it might
1: still be there, but so because the point, of, the point of it where it gives this is so faint, it might as well just not be yeah. there, and eventually it gets you can't But that's with things that
2: emit light, right? Things that don't emit light, like, like the moon. asteroids. And such like that. Well, the moon is also, just yeah, go on. a because they don't re, they don't reflect light perfectly.
1: Like the moon reflects light so well, that's why it seems yeah. so bright, even though it emits no. And light it's, on it's really own. really close, cons- right? Comparatively, even all though right. again, it's also really far. If you think about it, like you can fit all the other planets in the solar system in between the Earth and the Moon. I don't know about that. You can actually, it's it's you've oh. seen it. In fact, you can even fit Pluto in there too, if you want, because even though it's not strictly a planet, the distance anymore. is that big. Yeah. Yeah, it's two hundred fifty thousand miles. It oh. takes light two seconds. To get to there. Get there. Like, and, and light's the fastest thing in the universe. Good. All right, listeners, if you hear a difference in audio quality here, it's because we actually took a bit of a break to try and silence these damn dogs. Bark, <laughs> so, bark, 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 bark. Yep, sorry bark, about oh that for the last five minutes or so, and sporadically throughout the rest of it. Um, so, you, what were you talking about? Where were... Yeah.
2: Um, just a kind of a back note. The inverse square law could be written for all those who know math. I know some people don't have a have a hard time with math. I have math. no idea what it math is, is. 1 over x squared. So if you were to if you were to calculate how much it decreases, it's an exponential decrease the further you away you go. And another thing, uh, a lot of things in space like a lot of the objects that don't directly produce their own light are actually really dark. You right. know that they often show asteroids these big darkish things. Well, no way you're not going to be able to detect them with a telescope. Right. I mean, that is something that has been brought up. The way you do spot them, however, is with radar and with infrared, especially right. in infrared, because they absorb the light from the sun and do do thermodynamics and all sorts of stuff. They emit light in infrared. Mm-hmm. So if you were to take a look at the night sky in infrared over several hours, you'd see numberless little dots
1: of heat out Absolutely, there that are yeah.
2: all of the asteroids and all of the objects. Well, That's know- why... You know, that's why we have to use the entire spectrum to see right. this night sky. Like
1: a, a very few of the space pictures you see are actual just true photographs. Like even like the nebula. I remember being really disappointed when finding out that, that most nebula are not colorful. Like right, none of them are. Like that's really just that's just the way we view it because of chemical compositions. Like that's what we show. It's like so more like kind a of a, graph. False, a false color image. Yeah, it's more like just a graph to see what chemicals are in what part of the other. They're actually just white this gray and white and other yeah. stuff. And then I'm like, Oh, but they're so pretty. They are really pretty. Alright, well, we've talked a lot about the science here, and I'm sure we got more to talk about here as well. But yeah. one thing I want to mention just before people forget that this is in fact a writing podcast and not an astronomy podcast. Like, the point of what we're doing oops. with this is if you want to do Yeah, oops. Um the point of this is if you want to do like um a hard sci-fi, this is stuff like you gotta keep in mind. Yeah. Because hard sci-fi relishes in this kind of stuff. Yeah. Like I said, do lots and lots of research. That's the main thing. Alright, so what was your next point? You you said Um a lot
2: of sci-fi now, this is gonna be a little out of my Zone my zone of knowledge that's okay but biology a lot of times they try and do uh, engineering with genetic code and basically am, just kind of modifying things bodily I'm guilty of
1: this yeah <laughs> the
2: the mutants in my book <laughs> yeah though honestly yours are probably one of the least bad I've seen really the ones yes. that
1: shoot lightning and have four four jaws that spew fire yeah.
2: Because they were raised, instead of them just randomly mutating out of normal oh, dinosaurs. Oh,
1: you're talking about like some sort of natural phenomenon of like, well, not quote unquote natural, of, like, like some some sort of radioactive thing yeah, causes this one thing to suddenly it
2: expands him. in size ridiculously huge, and it's like, where is it getting all of this mass? It, it's true. It's like, mine
1: lo- are grown. Like Allajex, yeah. the scientist specifically engineers them in that way which is a whole other thing of,
2: considering how amoral he is I would not be surprised if he feeds some of his his most disappointing
1: uh, interns to them uh, or, he could do that absolutely or what he could also do is if there's a mutant that doesn't look quite as awesome as he would like he just feeds it to another one of his mutants <laughs> I mean, he doesn't really take too. He's, I've always imagined, whenever I really said this in the story, but I've always imagined that someone doesn't take too much pride in his work. He just kind of views him as like just doodles. He wants, he wants, he's more for the results rather than this right. is what I have done. Right, exactly. He's not like someone who like keeps trinkets of the nostalgia, or whatever. He's just yeah. like, okay, I did this one. What's next? he's yeah, just
2: so kind of to reference to the first sci-fi thing. If he'd have been Frankenstein, if he saw Frankenstein's monster, it works. Right. Let's try it again. This one looks ugly. Let's try and pretty one. <laughs> it destroys the monster. It's like then that would make pretty a pretty really one. You mean story. Bride of
1: Frankenstein? Yeah. <laughs> okay. But, <Fine>. anyways. <laughs> not, I don't actually, I haven't actually seen that one. I haven't seen it either. I've only heard of it. I've read the original book a few times for some of my English classes, and yes, it is one of the first sci-fis. Yeah. Here's an interesting thing about it, though. It's actually never revealed how he brought it to life in the book. The lightning was purely the movie's invention. hmm I mean, they used to talk a little bit about electricity in the in the book itself, but they didn't really go into detail. Cause he, I think it's really cool. It's something you could do, sort of, listeners, for... Um, if you don't understand... Hard sci-fi. Or if you or if don't understand, or if it's not a concept we don't know of yet, yeah. just don't say what it is. Yeah. That way
2: you don't... Generally, if you just ignore it like that, then it's much better to ignore it rather than try and make some... Make a guess really, that really, will really, probably be wrong. Um, or even worse, give it some really crappy uh, techno babble <laughs> Oh, like what I did. Yeah. That's why I'm around. I help
1: you out with oh, that. Oh, thank you. He he patted my knee affectionately there. I don't know if you guys could hear that. <laughs> yeah. Anyways...
2: Yeah. Um, another thing when you're doing genetic engineering, there's kind of a side note of, will it be inherited or will it not be? I mean, you can mm. genetically modify someone that way. And wait, fact, the best way to do that, they talk, they, there's actually some really cool science that's being done right now on genetic engineering, CRISPR and all that stuff. Right. But the most common way you can actually alter something that's currently living mm-hmm. genetically is through viruses. They're called retroviruses. Right. They basically have the DNA you want to put in there with some of the other stuff you need to, and they. Do their natural thing and attach and inject.
1: Yeah, because I always imagine genetic engineering is more like just someone's at a computer and like sort of editing sort of the bits of code. <laughs> editing co- ge- chemical I code. Mean, yeah, I mean, sort of like it's all those different letters. Just change some around. Like, who who knows? I mean, who knows yeah. what each one of them means? I guess you could, somebody could figure it out.
2: I'm not an expert at that, but somehow you're, they have to, you know, make the genetic code itself and then get it inside the cell to modify it.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's not just that. You still have, even if you do edit the code, what does it do then? There's still a yeah. living creature there or dead. Mm-hmm. Creature that's not been alive yet. So, what are you editing at first? So, yeah, yeah.
2: And I've already talked about the <laughs> fact that be care Don't don't have your creatures suddenly mutate and then increase in size. It's like unless they're like eating the dirt and somehow instant, super rapidly converting it into mass that they use. Okay,
1: so let me, let me specify, listeners. Don't do this in hard sci-fi. Don't if you're writing like a sh- if you're liking like like a schlocky. B movie as parody sort of thing, this is totally fine. We're just I just one just in case you know it pulp seems fiction. like pulp fiction. pulp fiction, yeah. That's what I'm talking about like not not the movie Pulp Fiction, the one with Samuel L. Jackson and shit. Ch- I haven't seen it for what it's worth. I think it's, I've heard of it, but uh, I'm trying to think of a famous quote from it. I, I get on a Matt David for not watching any classic movies. There's so many classic movies I haven't seen. God <laughs> And I'm even worse. I know John Travolta's in it. Who cares? Let's move on. Yeah. All right. What was but I? Yeah. If you're talking? writing
2: a pulp fiction idea, you can have all these crazy. Yeah. Things. We're just talking about like hard but, sci-fi, which is the part of the... And another reason why I think you should write why to write hard hard-ish sci-fi, mm-hmm. there is a sliding scale. Is it actually makes its its story more real to us? We're right. able to relate to relate Right. To right. Us. Or it
1: makes it like well, Michael Crichton is pretty good at that. Like yeah. So, but here's something interesting about Jurassic Park, the book that people don't seem to realize when he wrote that that was entirely conceivable that bringing dinosaurs to life through that you mean inconceivable no it was enti- the people conceivable oh really yeah the the fact that it couldn't work was proven later after people trying to do it <laughs> uh-huh. like because they didn't realize the whole thing about dna decaying through the blood of the mystery like they didn't realize that until they looked into it after the book came out when the yeah. book came out for all we know it could have happened and that's a man who's doing his yeah. research there. He
2: also <laughs> did uh, the Andromeda Strain, which right, is yes. the idea of a biological tra- thing transmitted from somewhere, basically sent from somewhere, and was proof that there is intelligent life in in the
1: galaxy. But he does, goes into a lot of detail about how it all works, though, mm-hmm. right, in terms of the, what it yeah. does to the body. Yeah. He also wrote a book, he also wrote Congo, a book about gorillas, they're super intelligent with lasers. It's probably one was more pulpy ones. <laughs> Wait, really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. I was making bringing that up as a joke. No. It's a it's a real. He t- also wrote Pirate Cove, which. Anyways, but anyway, yeah, um, it
2: was so realistic. It was like, yeah, that could, that is very likely to have actually happened. We right. don't actually
1: know. I think I don't know. I think it's cool. Um, I think is that everything we want to talk about with hearts because we already an hour in. I just wanted to finish this up. Let here. me see. Let me see. Um, just like any, like you, you were touching upon this a little bit, but I don't know. So let's talk about maybe we can finish it off like this. Why do you think someone should write hard sci-fi? We're talking about, like, how, why. Yeah, Or kind of the rules to it. Yeah, I mean. like, why? What's the benefit to it? Like you said, it's, it makes it seem real, I guess. It makes true. it
2: seem real. It makes it seem more connectable. And, granted, I will be the first to admit that, sure, if you wrote a book that's super, super hard sci-fi, but you your plotting and character is poor, it's not going to be that great. But if you add hard sci-fi, just kind of this relatable thing to it, and the cool thing about science is it is not... Mm-hmm. Is if you can put it a good distance into the future, you have a a, lay, a level of leeway to it. Well, that, that's there why are certain want, yeah. things that you can uh, you can kind of excuse as right. being innovations. Now, try not to rewrite the laws of physics. Everyone, <laughs> to, the people who know what they're talking, who know about that stuff, tend to get a little testy at that. Right, but if you say that they found a way around it,
1: then or there's, there's some uh, sort of science that they figured out then that we haven't yet. I don't know. Yeah. Because that's, that's the thing. Science is constantly evolving. As much as as cheesy as it is for stories, to, sci-fi stories to place in so the year three thousand or whatever, there is benefits to that to make yeah. it like you know. In we...
2: year three thousand, that's a thousand years from now, and as and technological innovations are only yeah. are exponentially increasing. For those of you who don't know, that basically means it's getting faster and faster. I've, kind of like yeah. the inverse square law means it gets. Right. It gets it's like earthquakes. Much, much faster. Slower. It's, it's yeah. like earthquakes,
1: how they're more powerful. <laughs> like yeah. as they, it's as they, not steadier, it's a, exponential, yes, exponential. Yes, exactly. Um, per- actually, um, logarithmic. Logarithmic as well. Logarithmic. I don't know which one. Who knows? I'm not a math guy. You're a math guy. Yeah. I don't know, know nothing about no math. I'm an English folk, as you can tell by why I'm saying all these double negatives and triple <laughs> negatives. All right. So well, He loves to revel in the fact that he's an eng- English major who. Whom?
2: Whom? I didn't even know I could. <laughs> you didn't say what was after
1: Who occasionally likes to break the rules for the heck of it? I feel really bad that I don't know if it's who or whom there. <laughs> who I occasionally. No, I think it might be whom. Because you're referring to me. I'm the, I'm the subject. Yeah, who? Yeah, Just trust me. You, he's shrugging. I'm listen. shrugging. I have no idea.
2: <laughs> okay. I'm giving him blank, 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 like, Okay. Say
1: what you really want. Say
2: what all you right. want. Well,
1: thank you for t- telling us all about this hard sci fi thing. Yeah, no I'm, problem. So, yeah. um... So this is good timing too. Like as a completely non-hard sci-fi comes out this week, <laughs> Last Jedi, which as you know, we and I are totally going to see on opening night, right? Yeah, he's. He, <sighs> I, I've, converted no, him to, no. I've converted him to the dark side, or he as he said he's seen the lights. Yeah, I don't. It's a funny thing is I don't even dislike Star Wars. I just was indifferent. I disliked Force Awakens.
2: Yeah, I think I'm. I think it'd be more accurate. I just really like, like him.
1: I we hate Force Awakens. I just I just call us bad nerds, but. You know it what? People just, are turning on it. Like yeah. and that's what I've seen. and I'm seeing the reactions to Last Jedi are coming out now, and they're like, "Oh my gosh! I laughed. I cried. I screamed. I blah." Like Ghost Pops! it's the best one since Empire. I'm like, that's what they've all said. And then five minutes later, people are like, eh, "It's fine." Yeah. Like uh, I don't know. I feel like, and this is probably a controversial statement, and I've said it, saying this to you earlier. I think Star Wars is eighty percent hype. <laughs> yeah. Like eighty, 80 to ninety percent hype. Like, yeah. like, and that's well, what,
2: actually. How about you add in about a twenty to twenty? Okay, 25% fine. Seventy percent hype. Okay, oh, 20% nostalgia. nostalgia.
1: Yeah. But, like, it's, there's yeah. there's still some genuine stuff to, good stuff to look. Like, I really I did like Rogue One. It wasn't as good as some of the other ones I've liked, but yeah. I, it's definitely better than Force Awakens, in my opinion. Yes. I know people think the exact opposite. They're two very different movies. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, uh, so I'm not. Co- honestly,
2: my main argument is: Rey is a borderline Mary Sue. It shows Borderline?
1: Up- have, you should listen to episode 12 of the Ritwitch yeah. Mary Sues and How to Avoid Those. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Her name shows up on the Wikipedia Mary Sue page. And it does? And it's still on there. It. Do- oh my gosh, I have to go look this up. <laughs> yeah. And that is not because she's a woman, okay? no, There can like, be plenty of women characters as who I are strong
1: and-, and not be Mary Sues. Exactly, like Wonder Woman. And then also, in another Star Wars example, that new one from Rogue One. She's not a Mary Sue. Yeah. She's very capable. She gets the job done, but she's totally not a Mary Sue. So yeah. stop saying it's because she's a female character that we... Say that, and Luke also is not a Mary Sue. He works and he needs help. I didn't. Don't think he did any start lightsaber fighting in the first episode. He didn't. Uh, Second that
0: episode over-
2: that was post much training from Yoda, and he still, still got, got, his got his butt, butt kicked. kicked. Yeah, and yeah, it wasn't until the third one that he actually won. And even then, he only won out of anger. Remember? Yeah, turning to the dark side, not good. Not but good. then he
1: stopped, and he was he was more powerful for him to pull lightsaber back. <laughs> yeah, and they'd be like, "Never, I'll never join the dark side." Will he join the dark side in Last Jedi? Who I cares? Who cares? I don't really, I doubt it. I'm never gonna see Last Jedi. Like I was too bummed out by me. I'm by personally
2: putting my money on Force the fact Miggins.
1: that Luke dies. Yeah, I really uh, you'd be, that'd be really ironic that both Luke and Han die, but the only actor of the three of them that's dead is Carrie Fisher. <laughs> I'm also thinking she's gonna die as well. Ah, no. I mean, she, surely she must because how else would you write her out? Yeah, that's gonna be interesting. What they see. I mean, that's the only part I care about. Episode nine because it's J.J. Abrams again. Yeah. <laughs> J- though J- honestly,
2: R- though honestly, I think you ruined me on Force Awakens. Yeah, you you, you you I
1: remember you saw it and you're like, Oh, it was fine, it was good. Well no no
2: no. I remember and then I, the big twist that everyone was so shocked about was Han was dying, and I'm like, uh no, he's told me he's only uh, yeah, one I'm sorry, I did Star Wars that. episode only one more movie. Yeah Because well, he hated it He hated it from episode Frickin' four Well
1: no, to be fair It's not that I don't know if he hated it I think he was just sick of it Like everyone just kept Pestering him about No I, he hated it I, That makes he sense He hated it like, Not as much as Al Guinness I don't think But Al He oh. was Obi-Wan The original oh, Obi-Wan yeah. He really hated it Which is amazing Because he got super rich from it Because he got a percentage Of the box office Yeah <laughs> I don't know Money is not everything uh, alas. Anyways, enough about Star Wars, <laughs> shall we? Another Star Wars rant and it's on recording. And okay. it's and it's and it's for a hard sci-fi episode. <laughs> okay. True. We've got a lot of feelings about it. Not most of them not good, but eh. Yeah, uh, none of them positive. You probably. guys all enjoy Last Jedi. We're not trying to say don't enjoy it. We're not, we're not, we're not, enjoy try- it, and if you have to, enjoy it by while throwing tomatoes. Yeah, well like or just or genuinely love it. It's your life, it's your taste. We're not trying to convince you otherwise. Anyways, so, this is the normal part of the show where we're like, where can people get a hold of us? Now it's different. Uh, I'm assuming you probably don't feel comfortable, like, p- putting your own email address in or whatever. Or do you? I don't know. I don't care. Okay. How can people get a hold of you?
2: Yeah, if you have any questions more about hard sci-fi, and I will be doing... And you can ask me
1: questions I can do research on.
2: titan one at MSN.com. Yes.
1: And, or, you could also message me... Uh, or my co-host Matt David and ask him where the hell he was this month <laughs> at D at matthewdonaldcreator.com You can use your own email system or the one on my website which is matthewdonaldcreator.com uh, I'm really not hearing any dogs. We did it. We did it. Good Yay. work. <laughs> Anyways, um, so you can also follow me at my uh, professional Facebook account at matthewdonaldcreator or my Twitter which is at matthewdonald64 y64 Cause you like the N- nintendo 64 that's the joke everyone makes <laughs> i don't even know why originally i think it might have been back in the day like i came over the years upon years ago. i don't know i think i was just a, a round person and it's a round number i don't i usually write these th- i don't know just say you chose it and you have i'm to a write writer it. guys
0: i don't say what
2: <laughs> just say just say that you came up with it you have no idea what it is now
0: well
1: But I always have to do a joke every episode of what it is. Uh, Anyways, who cares? He's rolling his eyes. He's not really rolling his eyes now. He's more like, looking at me like, really? (laughs) It's like, uh... Come on. Kind of a poor episode for jokes, considering it was all us lecturing. It was poor for you. I think I was a riot this episode. (laughs) I was a rambunctious riot with the vivacity of a vivid... I'm MacDonald! (laughs) I'm I'm Alan Brooks. And this was another episode of The Ritwit. Matt David should be back next time. All right. Thank you for joining us. Bye. The Red